Hey everybody, I'm Peter and I am looking for my twin son. He just can't seem to get out of my mind. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series, Star Wars Rebels. Hey Pete. Hey, how you doing? Great. We did it. We did it. We We finally, we're finally... We're finally into the great episodes. That's what I'll say. <laughs> like, this is where I'm like, I'm loving it. You were so grumpy. The last episode was good, too. It's no, that, that's not grumpy. That's just, I don't think there's <laughs> anything grumpy about that. That's just, this is what I love. This is, this is, we're getting towards the part. I would say from this episode on is when I decided in my journey that I loved Rebels. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a great marker. And you know what? I think we can both agree. That things are getting cool and we should hold on to our butts. Speaking of going on a great journey with friends. Great transition. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a professional. <laughs> our guest today is the host of a wonderfully thoughtful and entertaining podcast called What the Force. It's Marie Claire Gould. How you doing, Marie Claire? Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for I'm joining us. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for really having excited. me on the show. I love Rebels. Yeah. I'm. I'm I have loved it since the first season, but maybe it's because I'm, I have that <laughs> like childlike brain. And so like, I, I sync with like any entertainment that is, you know, meant for children specifically, but yeah, I love Rebels so much and it really uh, resonated with me. And I think I've watched every episode like three or four times. Oh, great. Cause... You're going to fit just in, especially with the childlike yeah. brain because that is <laughs> our specialty. <laughs> I also wanted to ask, I just found this out. I didn't know this, so forgive me, but I was just like reading up, doing a little research, and I wasn't aware of Tavern Tales. Would you like to yeah, about that? That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, so um, my husband actually runs a D&D actual play podcast, and I play on it, so I also do D&D. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. We just jumped into playing a Star Wars D&D bonus campaign and so Ooh. i am excited to have another D head on the cast good one good one yeah yeah and and like role-playing games in general were kind of um because i i played uh west end games rpgs mm, when yeah. i was a kid from like the time i was like 10 years old they were kind of like my star wars in so many ways because you know i was born just after just around when um return of the jedi came out and rpgs are like well you can build your own world whatever mm, that is your character yeah. can be important my force sensitive girl could have a lightsaber yeah oh. yeah <laughs> i i similarly played west end games i probably played the most the least played one. I played a Ghostbusters one. <laughs> <laughs> so tight. Yeah, West End made a Ghostbusters RPG that I played. It was amazing. That is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm I'm ready to jump into this. Pete, you ready to jump into it? Yep. Marie Claire, are you ready to jump into it? I'm ready. <laughs> tight.
All right. Let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode nine of season three. Voices and visions. Uh, So Ezra is plagued by visions of Maul, who approaches him and Kanan as they consult the Bendu, offering a deal. Maul threatens to reveal Chopper Base to the Empire unless Ezra accompanies him to complete a ritual in order to reveal to both to both of them the information they seek from the Jedi and Sith holocrons. Maul and Ezra arrive on Dathomir, where they use dark magic to complete their holocron vision, a desert planet with two suns, where what they both seek is located. As the ritual ends, Ezra and Maul are attacked by the spirits of the Night Sisters. Kanan and Sabine arrive, having tracked Ezra to Dathomir, but they are possessed by the Night Sisters and are made to attack Ezra and Maul. Maul escapes, and Ezra uses the Force to push Sabine out of the range of the altar, which is the source of the spirit's power. He offers himself to the Night Sisters to free Kanan, but then destroys the altar. As they leave, Sabine grabs the dark saber used by Maul. Kanan asks Ezra about his vision and reveals that he means to defeat defeat the Sith and the target of Maul's vengeance are one and the same. The Jedi Master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, so that's a quick recap of what happens in this episode. Now I'm going to lay out the theme for this episode. Uh, Is the theme ghosts? The theme is ghosts. Is it ghost busting? You're good. Nice. Got it. No, it's Spirits. Gas. (laughs) Gaseous entities. Um, The theme for this episode, and this kind of should be the through line for what we talk about, hope guide us a little bit, but just kind of lay out my thoughts on what the overarching theme for this episode is. Blindness. So it's a bit of an ironic theme given the title of the episode, but blindness and paralysis seem to be the effects of visions and voices we see in here in this episode. And I would have added to that and actually added uh, obfuscation, right? Mm. The intentions are not always clear, right? Mm-hmm. I like so it's that. got that like layer of how much Maul has lied to Ezra as well uh, yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think those are all kind of, uh, yeah, elements on top of it. Okay, so like the actual blindness of Kanan, swallowing blindness of the Night Sisters' possession, portrayed through the green-eyed glow, Ezra's mentally blinding visions of Maul that drive him to madness, Kanan's blind trust of Ezra's plan, Ezra's blind trust of Maul's, and Maul's blinding hatred of Kenobi, we see characters throughout this episode driven to nearly reckless ends because of their lack of the myopic view. Everything is played for the short game to save Chopper Base, to find vengeance, to end the visions of Maul, and to end the Sith. Blindness seems to be the after effect of visions and voices because it is cutting off the long view. Mm, And ironic, too. It is ironic. Visions and voices, but it's blindness. I'm deep, too. You did it. I love that. All right, cool. So blindness and obfuscation, those are both great linked themes, which I really enjoyed. And yeah, this let's kick it off with this super cool, creepy, um, Dave Filoni described it as a Freddy Krueger-esque set oh, piece okay. with Maul 
creepily popping up in Ezra's visions at Chopper Base. I just thought this was really cool. And the animation, especially, I wanted to shout out, really seems to hit a turning point at this point in the season. I don't know if I'm just noticing mm-hmm. it or if there's something happened behind the scenes, but just like Ezra's facial expressions and the way that they are modeling Maul in this moment, I thought was so cool. They really also hit um, hit it right with the music. It oh, felt yeah. like that. They used um, a lot of string instruments to give that like serial mm. killer uh, sound. <laughs> I'm sure that's what uh, Dave, you know, said to to the to the music uh, group, like say, yeah. hey, you know, make it serial killer. <laughs> and <laughs> and additionally, we we have this. Um, like it's almost dizzying because he's like spinning around a lot in that meeting where they're discussing, mm-hmm. discussing his mission. And, and all he's wanted for the last, you know, kind of two seasons is responsibility. Give me a mission. I want to be the one that's in charge. And he has had to slowly take over over the course of the third season from Kanan and really be that leader because Kanan doesn't is feel blind, like he's right? for it. Even Beam. Though- yeah right (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) but like he's had to step into the forefront and then suddenly he is weakened you know especially mentally because of this barrage and this attack Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point and you touched on the music kevin kleiner we've talked about before he's a badass like he's just killing it he's another really awesome music cue later on um when we see the painting of Duchess Satine, which we will get into and do big conversation on. But the music you'll notice, it's like a very solemn, just solo piano that's playing a version of her theme from the Clone Wars. And I just love the thoughtfulness that's put into all these things. And it goes to the point of what you were talking about is I bet you it was very heavily influenced by horror movies and the way that they kind of distilled that and still kept it Star Wars-y was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've done some really amazing things to advance the Star Wars musical sandbox mm. and say, oh, the sandbox, but it also includes, you know, <laughs> Zeb's rock and roll music. It also includes, <laughs> the you best know, song ever. this. Oh, you know, man, like, that was so bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we, we're big fans of the Mr. Kleiner. Um, and then, yeah, secondarily, like, we, we, we've touched on that as well. I think this is a cool development where he's, yeah, he's trying to shoulder that burden that's left from Kanan kind of not being the leader of these missions anymore. And he's finally getting that responsibility, but trying to balance, like, can he really, can he balance that internally as well with everything going on with his connection to the dark side and Maul now we see specifically. Um, one thing I thought was interesting as we were talking about these visions is I was it Pablo said that this was something that Maul discovered. He went back and meditated on what happened during the events of I forgot the name of the episode, but when they smushed the holocrons together. Um, mm-hmm. And so and he discovered this link, much like Kylo and Ray. Um, it wasn't like a byproduct yeah. of like, oh, the dark side is like making me sick or messing with my mind like. Maul has been on Dathomir by himself kind of studying what happened and he was able to kind of turn on this connection and really use Ezra and manipulate him, um, which I think is kind of a really interesting touch. But it doesn't seem to be like necessarily as strong as what Rey and Kylo Mm, have uh, in in The Last Jedi. But I think that that's an important distinction because of 
there's something that happens in in the episode itself that actually produces that stronger link, right? Mm -hmm. But we now see, and this episode, I really love to point out, came out a year before The Last Jedi. This was incredibly foreshadowing for what happened in The Last Jedi in that there was this stronger apprentice-type relationship that actually expanded space and time. It was on Mm. one planet. Maul was already on Chopper Base. But he was able to project himself and really, you know, dig into Ezra's mind and share uh, his thoughts or his desires with him, knowing what knowing what that would produce, which is really, really great. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I love that parallel. Um, And it just goes to kind of what you're talking about with obfuscation too, just the layers of manipulation with Maul. You know, he's like, I just came here to speak with my apprentice. And like he puts on his face like he cares with Ezra, but over and over, he's not only just innocence. Yeah. (laughs) He's not only just like kind of screwing him like in the physically, like trying to kill his friends, but now he's just like totally gaslighting him too. Um, And so it's, it is very interesting to see those parallels between him and Kanan and the struggle that Ezra's seeing. I actually don't think he is. Yeah. We'll expound on that. I actually don't think he is. No, I, I, We'll we'll get into that, but especially at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But but I actually like I've really thought a lot about the dark side and and how it produces these incredibly lonely people, mm. right? That's why they're always seeking apprentices or masters, right? Because mm-hmm. the darkness the darkness is lonely. It says you don't need anybody, but you are incredibly and isolated in it. Mm, that's a good point and, and maul himself throughout like clone wars actually seeks like multiple apprentices <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. no yeah i, I it's I, I it's it's i i'm always the one who's taking the side of the empire um <laughs> because i just you know contextually don't because you're a bad boy yeah that's right and similarly i'll jump on the side of the dark side <laughs> um because it it's weird i i feel like with maul uh, with so many of the Sith, it's a it's a misuse of the dark side. I I see a future in which, you know, because Disney's gonna make a thousand Star Wars shows and movies because it's a cash cow, is going to eventually dig into the dark side a little bit more because they have not yet. It's still a very um, kind of nebulous big bad thing. But I don't think that's that. I don't think that's George Lucas's intent, and I think he intentionally uh, takes this different spiritual, like non-Christian, non-Catholic, like route to like lay it out. It's almost like this Taoist thing we've talked about. Of we always talk like Star Wars is always throwing out the the dark side is a balance, the light, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need one or the other, and that was the great. Right? That wasn't right. What Anakin did is he brought balance to to the. Uh, to the force. That being said, I, I feel weird. I've always felt weird about that. This still isn't true balance because good and evil is not a balance. That's like a binary, but it's in no yeah. way a balance. Mm-hmm. And so the dark side is, I I feel like eventually we're going to find out that it's being misused and that that's not what it was meant to be. And that's going to be more like a Taoist kind of approach. Like, to light a candle is to cast a shadow. So the mm-hmm. dark is the shadow is just an effect of the light. 
but there's no mm-hmm. necessarily but we're being very black and white and putting morality and like ethics onto that within Star Wars and maybe this is too deep and this is actually never going to happen but if it was a true balance that's not they would have different elements and they would have like salient features but they wouldn't be like good bad <laughs> I don't know George meant to have it be more moralistic he meant to do that like when he he talks about the force he meant it to have moralistic tones in that you have too too much of the darkness and you will make greedy and selfish decisions mm-hmm. right like if you are the the darkness is greed right i do agree with you that the force is sick and this has been established throughout <laughs> canon right so the dark side it it's almost like it's too obfuscating right mm-hmm. it, it yeah. it's too blinding it is impossible to get yourself out of the darkness once you slide in but the key is balance is that you have to recognize that all things have shadow like you said and that you still make the decision the choice to turn towards the light that mm-hmm. is balance yeah that is the balance in ourselves that is the balance mm-hmm. that we experience yeah. as humans every day you know, I would love to sleep in until noon on a Saturday, <laughs> but my kids need food. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we make choices that are not selfish. They are selfless or they help others. And that is the point. Yeah, I guess I would respectfully disagree that um, I, I think inherently uh, that statement almost undercuts itself because you you said that after from the dark side you'd make a decision to turn towards the light it's acknowledging it so you see that you have shadow you know that you have it and you can use that power if you need to but it's not something that you slide into yeah i guess in my mind that's not balance that's about reconciling that's like reconciling with a, a, a part of yourself and learning how to live without it Maybe it's a, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm arguing something semantic and, <laughs> and that's the problem. Well, is you, that, you might be. That's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause this, cause this quandary, this thing that we are, we are discussing is actually very complex and hard to get, mm-hmm. but kids seem to get it. Okay. It's like, I have these, I have these dark emotions. I have this, um, exuberance or I have this desire to hit my brother. Right. Cause remember rebels is like star Wars for kids it is the Mm -hmm. it is the you know simplified version of star wars boiled down to its basic factors i want something but how do i make the decision that that's maybe not the right thing to do right yeah and i think at least to me this goes back to another thing we've talked about a lot is kind of the dogma of the jedi um, and I think maybe that is kind of boiled down this philosophical what Lucas intended versus what Disney's going toward right now. It's about it being more black and white of just like, yep, like he's dark and he's a bad guy and then he turns into a light guy. And now they're trying to really hammer out like some of these discrepancies. So like for a good example is when uh, Maul's trying to tempt Ezra in this to turn to the dark side and officially be Mm -hmm. his apprentice. He talks about, you know, forget your attachments, forget your memories and, you know, forget your attachments. Isn't like a dark side thing. It's also a Jedi thing. It's like, you're supposed to have no attachments, but Ezra is Mm -hmm. very attached to his family, the specters, the people that he cares about. And like, are we really going to argue that he's 
less of a light side force because he has those attachments. Um, I would argue that uh, the force wants attachments to all, right? Like mm, you are one with the force. You are one with the force of everything in the universe. It wants you to have compassion and love mm-hmm. for everything that exists in the universe, which is a very hard thing for human brains to understand. <laughs> like in yeah. that you have to try to push your love out there to the whole universe. That is what, because the force, there is no difference between you and the rock, the tree, the ship. Mm-hmm. It is everything. The force is is everything. And so it wants you to not be in competition or selfishly cut out a piece of it. It wants you to love the other aspects mm-hmm. of it. And it, this, when you just brought up that mall speech, and I mm-hmm. want to just point out the similarities, even though it, it uses different words. He is basically doing the speech that Kylo gave to Rey in the last Mm -hmm. Jedi throne room. He's also very similar to the uh, speech that Vader gives Luke too. Exactly. Like this, this is the star Wars. It rhymes like Mm -hmm. feel of going through these, uh, you know, forget the Jedi, forget the Sith. Well, forget attachments. That's the Jedi, right? Forget attachments. He's literally referencing the Jedi in that speech, which is the similar thing because in Star Wars, we like have to go through these almost repetitive storytelling concepts, right? Because the universe is almost like trying to get it right in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is nice. I, that's one thing I've really liked about the new canon is trying to put in a little more of these complexities than at least what my understanding was of the Force back in the original trilogy. It was obviously, you know, more complex than good guy, bad guy, but... I think a lot of these shades have been introduced into the new canon, not just in the animated stuff in comics, but in the movies. And it's a really nice touch. I just don't know that George got time to put it maybe in the frame or he didn't really have the storytelling chops to put it in the frame that he meant to put it in. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to his interviews um, just after the original trilogy, he talks about, um, you know, how he views the force and mm-hmm. how fundamentally it's about like the light side is about compassion for others and Mm. the dark side is fundamentally about not that it's about greed and Dave Filoni repeats those words almost word for word in every single panel that he is in with his own spin and his own take Mm. on it and that is the version of the force that we seem to be getting fundamentally in the animation as well as a more complex view of that in the movies because you know there's a larger audience etc mm, that's a great point i mean you got the dark side the light side one is selfless one is selfish and you want to keep them in balance what happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately lead yourself because when you get selfish you get stuff or you want stuff mm-hmm. And when you want stuff and you get stuff, then you get are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you. Once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you, or you're going to lose it, then you start to become angry, and that anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Um, speaking of the complexities of the Force, Mike, I know you love this. The Bendu shows up. I do love the Bendu. I love his voice. I love his weird beard. <laughs> <laughs> I love his attitude. Yeah. I don't know. He's. I I would love to see the Bendu in a movie. Yeah, 
It, it's funny to me because, I mean, it seemed like he's like, I've got a plan. And I'm like, oh, he's going to the Bendu. And then he's just like, yep, can't help you. Bye. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like good parenting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just like, <laughs> look, he's behind you. Deal with it. Yeah. The overall plan, though, actually, I thought was kind of interesting because he, if you remember, he tells Sabine to put the tracker in the comm link before mall actually shows up so i think that's kind of an interesting touch that you know in a lot of these stories you'd be like no i'm seeing mall i swear like this episode is actually i read that it was going to be originally called like the boy who cried mall or something like that and i think that was going to be very like no one believes him oh you're just being crazy but i think kanan kind of sees through it really quickly and that must feel nice for someone who is trying to put his trust and kind of figuring out where he stands yeah. And he has this figure that like is like, no, I believe you. All right, let's figure this out. Like you're not just like being weird. I think you touched on something that is my while I do really like this episode, and I really mm-hmm. do, like it's a terrific episode. It fe- it's like the construction feels sloppy. Mm-hmm. It, it it feels like a it feels like a last minute pivot on some ideas where it was like the visions don't really fit for me. It's 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 just a a set piece to move you from here to here. And then the night sisters taking over is like, because, Oh man, there's not enough action. But like, so it, it, there feels like a lot of things that were shoehorned in after like, it's like they showed an episode to the board. Like, what do you think? And they're like, here are the notes, change these. And I, I feel like this is an, an amalgamation episode where they crammed a bunch of ideas into one where ultimately it was to have the vision and give Sabine the darks, dark saber mm-hmm. yeah i agree but i mean yeah. it's still it's still good but it's like yeah it definitely has some choppiness to it like it's uh the pacing is a little off and i personally the thing i love about the bendu is that he is animal uh almost like plant like and he's this weird <laughs> force thing like it's yeah. it's almost like he's this amalgamation of kind of what i would consider to be living force power which is really, really cool. Um, I find him totally useless in this episode. <laughs> like, yeah, just totally. like, yeah. what are you doing? And um, it, I think that I, I agree. It's like, it. if I were to like really analyze this episode, I would say that mm-hmm. it feels like they had this really cool idea. Hey, we know what The Last Jedi is going to do. Why don't we foreshadow that? And we can also have this really cool interaction with Maul to wrap up our vision thing. So we actually have mm-hmm. that plot point and we can drive the story for Maul going to Tatooine and having that final confrontation with Kenobi. Um, and we can also give Sabine the light, the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. But then they were like, this is really boring. Like yeah. you said, Mike, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's all just yeah. people talking about stuff and not actually doing anything. And so adding in the the mist stuff which actually mm-hmm. has a has a really it has some really cool background behind it um was a good choice to add some conflict and some and some action etc but again because they didn't rethink the episode beginning to end even with all these plot points that they wanted to do or all these things that they wanted to make sure to call out it it does feel a little clunky yeah and i think you touched on something that's I 100% agree with that. It's this foreshadowing of something to come in The Last Jedi to me feels even more than a foreshadowing. It's like 
I almost I almost see the commercial intent behind it. It was like, a direct. <laughs> so I I have often said that what the animation department does is tries to simplify ideas for kids that they will see. It's a, yeah, exactly. Well, it's exactly that. It's a dry test. It, it yeah. was it was the writers going because I'm I'm I work in a job where I do writing all day and mm-hmm. you you dry test with audience. Okay, well, are they going to like this? Let's see if they like it. So how do we like it? We you put it in something that doesn't have as much money behind it with an audience to test it. Hey, do you like this? And then I have numbers to show to my 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 boss's lady later. Hey, look, this many people watched it and liked it. Now we can put it in this bigger thing. And so to me, this feels mm. like that. It feels like they're kind of testing and prodding the putting the 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 smaller audience first. It's like this. How do you feel about this? Hey, yeah. it performed well. Let's use it in the big thing. <laughs> like, well, but the thing is, like when they were creating it, yeah, it was like before the last Jedi, Jedi filmed. But when it was released, it was already a year after production had started. So, I mean, I agree with you that maybe that's what they did internally, but I really do think that Star Wars Rebels and the animation department tries to bring and simmer down the core ideas of Star Wars to make them edible for kids. And then, Mm -hmm. like, that's a way, a lens by which, you know, it's so funny because I have all these, I've seen all these, like, very angry fans that still love rebels and what rebels did, especially third Mm. and fourth season. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is star Wars. It's like, yes, but it's also, also that other movie that you just watched. (laughs) It's just simplified to the base concepts of star Wars so that kids can pick it up really easily. And kids pick up the movie ones too, because they're not kind of bogged down by all of their emotional garbage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it is totally that. And I think there is a mixture. I can't, for some reason I can't shake like the, the commercial intent today. I don't it's know. It's a why. very cynical view <laughs> of the universe, but no, I, I yeah. agree with you that the mouse does the yeah. brilliant stuff with marketing and figuring out what the audience yeah. needs um, and wants at a particular mm. time. Yeah. And, and I'll, I, I think the movies are the ultimate source material too. So the second yes. the movies do something, it's like it's like the movies are the style book. Hey, mm. you can do anything that yeah. we do, but you can't step on our toes, but you can do anything that we create because we're the big guys. And then the kind of smaller shows go, well, they use it. So now we can use it. And I don't know. I can't. I, and, and Dave Filoni was in the writer's room for both movies. So mm-hmm. he yeah. knew like he knew what was going to happen in the story room. So he knew this was in the plan from the beginning um Mm -hmm. and uh i think like i this is kind of a resistance parallel but i think that we're gonna get a humanizing moment from kylo ren before any sort of redemption idea in resistance because part of this is again the simplification of the ideas i did not expect uh like the rollout series where we see little baby Ben as a BB unit. I wasn't expecting that as an animation as the humanizing moment that we might get. I still think we might get something in resistance. I, t- I totally don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what did I miss? There's a little like short animation, uh, star Wars cartoon where they have turned all of the characters into little rolling BB eight units. So like <laughs> Ray and, and everybody. Yeah. And one of them is a little baby Ben solo 
that is yeah. dressed almost exactly like Han Solo. I think I love that. I don't know. <laughs> it is it is weird and wacky and like uh, weirdly dark. Like at one point, Chewie is like stuck at the bottom of the ocean on Acto and like about to be eaten by a tentacle monster. How did I miss this? Where where does this exist? Or where how did this come out? It's just online. Like it's just it's just like these little shorts that they're putting out there to like for like because there's no words. It's just you know kind of actions and occasionally Chewie like you know saying his growls or you know or like little beep noises because it's BB units. They look like little balls rolling oh around. Gosh. This I sounds know. like a weird twisted Muppet Babies that I'm so into. It is, it is actually really <laughs> neat. And then they've done these. They, they did one where um, one of the characters got like stuck in the jungle. I think it was one of the droids. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're very cute. It's something that because, again, they want to try to get the next generation into Star Wars. And this is a way that you could watch this with like you know, a three-year-old, they'd be obsessed with these little ball things. And you're like, that, you see that, you see that little, like, like Ray, that's, that's that Ray, you know, and mm-hmm. it helps transition from the little, little age. And that's why they're, they're doing the galaxy of adventures online, uh, shorts for, uh, Star Wars kids. Um, Star Wars kids is, <laughs> I, I realized <laughs> as I have, you know, an 11 and a seven-year-old, that's where they watch their shows now is youtube mm, yeah isn't that right yeah. so mm-hmm. so star wars and disney is like okay we need to get content in front of them that is in the place that they want they know mm-hmm. this stuff right and like my kids will watch rebels and resistance with me because i am watching it that is i think why it's on at 10 o'clock at night for resistance mm. it's on at 10 o'clock at night it's on at 10 o'clock at night yeah and because everybody has a pvr now or they watch it on demand. Mm. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess that's true. Devil's advocate point. How cute would it be if Kylo's redemption arc was in that baby show, though? <laughs> 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 or that's where Emperor Palpatine first shows up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little baby Emperor Palpatine. Um I would like to talk about Dathomir a little bit because Dathomir's I love this place. stuff. It's it's ultimately my the Clone Wars arc, like anything with the Night Sisters or like yep. just anything on Dathomir. It maybe it's like so Halloweeny. I love it. It like, has like the very sp- <laughs> you said weenie. <laughs> Edit that out. This is a kid show. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read straight from my notes. Night Sisters. What happened? Question mark. Um, I was interested to try to see if we could track down what happened to them since the Clone Wars. So um, uh, we yeah. can kind of s- know. No, I know. Well, I know okay. some things. Yeah. So the um, it's interesting to me because Maul has been obviously living here and he returned to a dead planet. So there is only one confirmed known surviving Night Sister mm-hmm. um, and one potential survivor. So during the age of the Empire, Jacera was a child and was found by an unidentified female Inquisitor. This Inquisitor saw the potential of the dark side in this Night Sister and took her as a secret apprentice, hoping to kill the other Inquisitors. But when powerful enough, Jacera the Night Sister killed that Inquisitor and took her double-bladed lightsaber and peaced out. As you do. <laughs> yeah. Dark side. <laughs> I know. You should have seen that. As one would. Um, the other one is Shilish. Shilish? 
Uh, Sheelish was a night sister who left at a young age, so consequently she avoided the slaughter of her people. She moved to a remote hut on the 11th moon of Jahas, where she became a small-time criminal and smuggler with a Wookiee companion, which is super cute. So Han Solo? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Cool. She's the night sister Han Solo. I would watch that movie, yep. so the solo version of that. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Let's have I don't it. know if there's any other Night Sister history that has happened in between that um, maybe you have some information on, but that's what I was able to I track think, down. I think it's important to call out that, um, you know, Maul himself is a product of the Night Sisters, being yep. the child huge. of Mother Talzin, and that he probably learned the mystic magics from mm-hmm. her who else learned this magic stuff yeah. from her that's important to call out too mm-hmm. palpatine yep he learned true. his blue misty yeah. stuff from <laughs> mother talzin which is so cool that is such i feel like that's such a big deal like i, I don't know it's so wild that that was put into these shows um yeah totally i think it's insanely cool Yep, What's fascinating right. about this magic is that it, uh, I'm be a little feminine, but it is feminine based magic, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And it, it's connected to the life of Dathomir. The, the, the source of the power is the planet, mm-hmm. which is, is so cool too. Like it's got a lot of, um, uh, you know, Wiccan slight slash witch yeah. stuff, which I mean, they are called, you know, yeah. the night sisters and mm-hmm. they've got that feel to them and so there's all this uh you know magical parallels that we can call that they're they're actually in some ways attuned with the force and even though they pull into the darkness from a power perspective they're never consumed by it yeah Yeah. it it feels very uh, a book i love uh mist of avalon like oh yeah like yeah these kind of you know Guinevere and Vivian and Morgane, like uh, women of immense power and like spiritual and political power mm-hmm. who are kind of unseen, uh, but like really kind of being the puppeteers in the background. Like uh, it's always had that element to me, which um, I, I think I think is amazing. And I think so much happens on Dathomir. I think similar to so much happens on Tatooine. Um, I think putting Dathomir in this episode is very much like a, you know, Maul keeps saying it ends where it begins. We learn about Maul's return on Dathomir, right? When mm-hmm. Night Scissors are foreshadowing it, you know, Maul meets. So it's like, it's, it, I think it's great that he's, that it's part of this episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's almost the end of the beginning kind of thing is him revisiting these. But something Maul keeps saying once they meet, get to Dathomir um, is he keeps kind of, I think it's very intentional that he's calling Ezra his, his brother. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a mistake. Um, um and it yeah. feels very like Edgar Allan Poe, like my lost Lenore. Like it's these, it's these Freudian slips where he's pretty much calling him Savage, right? He's, mm-hmm. yeah. he's, he's his late, night brother. Yeah. Night, he I, hasn't I, dealt with that yeah. pain yet and exactly. that his decisions um led to the downfall of his brother yeah. and also you know again the darkness is lonely it seeks companionship yeah. even if it doesn't know how to actually have compassion for others because that is that like community and that compassion where you yeah. actually see each other on equal footing is 
more towards the light, right? It is, mm. it is that compassion of others that, that bind you together. And eventually in the dark side, you cannibalize or you make mistakes that cause the downfall of the others around you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we talked, we talked about Dathomir and the Night Sisters quite a bit when we were doing the deep dives on Maul. One thing we didn't talk about specifically is the magic. Um, you know, it's referred to as the old magic in this episode as well. Um, I think it's a really cool thing. I didn't realize it had a cool name, like a eighties metal band or it's a cool spelling. So it's M A G I C K. Um, not the traditional spelling of magic. Um, so it is, it seems like it is a aspect of the force, but something, I'm, it seems like a loss. Anytime an A is not a V, I'm so bummed. <laughs> Cause I think that's the, I think that's the sweetest way to. Yeah, that's totally true too. That would have been like, that would have been like 2010 metal band though, not 80s <laughs> metal band. That's true. Um, so we talked about Sheelish, that night sister, and she described night sister magic, magic. You have to be really clear on that K. Yeah, magic. Hard K. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she says very similar to the force. It's a living thing that arises from blood, trees, and mist. Blood, uh-huh. trees, and mist. Uh, One of so these sad. things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> I love that just trees are in there, like yeah. not shrubbery. Yeah. Well, it it still needs like you know probably the power of the force, right? Yeah. We find we yeah. find a little, out a little bit about that in that those Jar Jar episodes at the end of the Clone Wars, where oh yeah, you know totally. the mother tells and is like stealing the force users' powers on mm-hmm. that planet with Jar Jar's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> um, weird. I'm just I'm having flashbacks of this episode. You're like I had yep. to block that off very clearly. <laughs> you yeah. kind of a, l- a little bit, but I kind of honestly. It's I love kind it. Of a neat episode. It is. Like, it, it is. I I love it. For me, Star Wars is. I, I'm of the mind where it's like you either go full tilt like that, or, like I don't know when it's yeah. so bad it's good, is mm-hmm. is a real thing. And it's like how people like ironically like things. Except I don't ironically like it. I just actually like it. Weird force no. stuff is like the best <laughs> part of star wars for me like when we experience yeah. something that's so weird that oh, we're right. like what is even happening oh my god what does this even mean <laughs> and it takes you like months to even process what has just happened in front of you that yeah. that to me really really drives the the mystical nature of what we are watching which is not science fiction it's this fantasy that we are experiencing mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah it is fantasy 100 percent. i think people forget that yeah, I think the complaint. I think when people are complaining, I don't know. I don't. I shouldn't even bring up people who are complaining. Actually, let's keep it positive. Yeah. All right. No, they don't. We don't need to talk about them because we love this. Yeah, right? exactly. That, that's what's important. And yeah, and what's really interesting is that they're pulling on threads of stuff that has existed in the EU, right? Like this idea yep. that there are, uh, you know, obviously the the altar. We have a name for it now in canon, which is really cool. It's a dark side artifact. Mm. It's a bogan, yeah. which uh, I bogan. found out actually is a word for a hick in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, sorry. <laughs> but, Get out of here, you bogans. You bogans. So, so it's like when the Night Sisters were wiped out, they were all, you know, possessing this altar, this this uh, mm-hmm. this framework for which they could still influence the world. And what's really fascinating? Okay, sorry, guys, I'm gonna. I'm going to bring up a feminine thing. Um, 
Hey, the power you never need to apologize for that. <laughs> the power exists within a cave, and caves are synonymous with tons of water and mist in it. And caves mm-hmm. are synonymous with lady parts. This is a feminine powered <laughs> mm-hmm. cave, and uh, Maul is just set up shop inside of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually—I mean—that I'm sure is 100 percent intentional you just, because that you just was... changed Empire Strikes Back for me. <laughs> I have changed Empire Strikes Back for you, haven't I? Also. Uh, watch Last Jedi with the idea that every time there's a cave, it's referring to a lady part, and you will be mind blown. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just listened to your episode with Lindsay um, from Nerdists talking yeah. about the femininity of Star Wars. It was really fascinating. Um, but I think that was absolutely um, that was a- absolutely intentional because, you know, Filoni and Lucas even, you know, the Night Sisters appeared in EU, and I think they were very the writer, I forgot his name, but when he originally wrote it in the EU, he wanted something feminine to bring in because he specifically said Star Wars was dominated by masculinity and male. Yeah, everyone's, and everyone's male waving their shorts around. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> reference. Thank you. Um, and so he brought that into the EU and George Lucas really connected with that. And that's one of the things that want, made him want to bring it into Star Wars is exactly for those reasons. And so I think yeah. that's a really fascinating thing to see. Did you guys notice the picture of Mortis on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Mortis is rad. Yeah. I There's love some it. sick stuff. Um, so, you know, he talks about how these are artifacts, artifacts from his past. Yeah, that was, this is an amazing scene. Yeah. I so, I mean, there's a couple of things that are pretty dark in here. I mean, we see battle droid heads and Mandalorian helmets, which is just kind of fun from his time on Mandalore. Um, but we also see... Before I get to the really dark one, did you notice like the scrawling, like the things on the cave, the red lettering all over the place? It's not just yeah. random scribbling. Do you know what that is? No. That is ancient Mandalorian writing and it translates to Kenobi. Hmm. Oh, so, didn't know and, that. And I, I actually connected with my friend, uh, Pohot Dameron, Katie. Yeah, she's been on the, the, on the podcast. A bunch yeah, of we yeah. Love her. I was like, I'm doing this episode. I need all of your mall brain. <laughs> oh, she has a yeah. brain for the mall. Yeah, we had her on for the first mall episode of the season because of exactly that. <laughs> and she said, uh, so at one point, mall is in a prison and he writes and basically covers the walls with mm-hmm. his own blood. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he has nothing to write with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how intense he is. So I, I do not, I, I, I suspect that that because it's all in red, it's probably his own blood. Yeah, that's and a that good I mean point. that ties into the blood of the Night Sisters and kind of that, that feel of the, you know, sacred arts that they are performing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think this is a cool touch because it shows. You know, he seems to keep it together. He's like, I'm in control. I just want an apprentice. I want what's deserved to me. But like in his alone time, he's been going uh, pretty, pretty erratic, I will yeah. say. Um, so I don't know if he's keeping it together as well as he thinks he is. Um, so that was a super interesting touch. And then we can't avoid this. It lingers on the before mentioned painting of Duchess Satine. Oh my God, this one. Um, so, for just a quick overview, people who don't remember, Duchess Satine was the ruler of Mandalore and a love interest for Obi Wan Kenobi, who Maul killed, stabbed yeah. in the stomach with a lightsaber. And now he has a shrine 
put up to the woman that he murdered in cold blood in front of her lover, yeah. which is dark. It is dark. Yeah. Really cool that we were able to go that dark in a kid show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess it's, it's surface enough where it can be missed. Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times. It's one of those really great Easter eggs where like, if you know, and it, yeah. you care about those things, then that is awesome. If you don't know, oh, it's a cool picture of a lady. Yeah, they're so solving really for better. a lot of use cases here. My wife watched this episode with me and maybe was the first episode she actually enjoyed. Because <laughs> okay. it was just like spooky enough and yeah. kind of like, you know, the whole the whole episode is ominous. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if he regrets the choices that he's made in the past a lot. Like we know he, because of the yeah. brother, he probably regrets like what has happened to Savage. Mm-hmm. But it, like, does he regret everything that has led up to Kenobi and, and the end confrontation. Cause I think like, you got to think about how Maul is actually a very pitiable creature in Mm -hmm. that um, he was groomed from a very young age. He was, he was, he was stolen from other Talzin. (laughs) He was groomed from a very young age to be the perfect apprentice for Palpatine. Um, he failed in that in being chopped in half by the mm. first Jedi that he came across. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he crawled himself out of a garbage heap, went crazy for a while, came back, actually kind of had some semblance of oh, of support structure through the Night Sisters community. It's so funny because he actually comes back to being together through community. Mm. Something that we typically... Yeah kind of considered to be light side he actually had community with the with the night sisters but being, yeah. i'm sorry guys a stupid man he went off <laughs> to go and get his vengeance on yeah. and then proceeded into the darkness again yeah, yeah i think it's a i think 100 agree it's it, he, he is pitiable it's nature versus nurture like what is he um, but I, I super agree that it's like he he is clearly looking for community. Like, why would you go to back to Dathomir if not for the familiarity and the comfort of it? There's no yeah. other good reason for him. I mean, it's his home. Yeah, and it's almost exactly. sad because it's like his home when all of his family has been killed. He's like, you know, like that dog that goes yeah. and like hangs out in the family home after a fire. Oh or my god! Like you know, <laughs> like it's that kind of situation and. And it's the saddest metaphor, but it's, it's so precise. <laughs> I'm, I'm <Yeah>. so sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. No, but it's exactly that. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, um, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations um, about the Twin Sun stuff and, you know, Maul's intentions and things like that. We've talked about it. I think my working theory, as I've mentioned, is, you know, he was set up for this life of power and this life of he's going to be the right-hand man of the most powerful person in the galaxy. And well, he was, he was set up to be, to carry on the metaphor. He was set up to be a, a guard dog. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was like, set up to be Vader basically. I, I don't think he wants, I don't think he wants that. Yeah. And I think when we were on, um, whatever the planet with the pyramid is, Malachor, um, you know, that was his last gasp the power of like, Egypt. Okay, I mean, he the secret weapon that I'm going to take over the universe one last time. And that gets foiled. And he goes, he has to resign himself to like, I have nothing. I'm going back to the last place I'm familiar with. And I'm going to try to do this one last thing to try to kill this dude. Cause I want revenge because that's literally all I have. So I've got to imagine that that does play into these feelings of regret that you were expecting. Cause I don't think these things could turn out the way they did. And he wouldn't feel remorse in the actions 
whether he he takes blame for it himself or thinks he got screwed. I don't know that, though. <laughs> and it's very much like Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi. He has mm-hmm. projected all of his hate on to Luke Skywalker. And yeah. Maul himself has projected everything that has ever gone wrong with him, which is, let's face it, mostly Palpatine's fault. Yeah. Um, and his own, because he's he keeps on trying <laughs> the same thing with he he's insane. He keeps yeah. on trying the same thing with no better different results. Exactly. Yep, totally. Um, I wanted to talk about the spell a little bit because I thought this was pretty dope. The spell, aka the sliming, speaking of Ghostbusters, because that's totally what it reminded me of. Um, so one difference between the magic and the force, even though they are related, is that it is interesting because we see this with both Palpatine and the Night Sisters that they are able to manifest the magic into a physical form with that green mist. Um, that is technically called the Icker. Um, mm-hmm. So according to Sheelish again, um, with the blood and the mist in the trees, she says anyone can learn to use magic as long as they were force sensitive, but they first must breathe in a special energized mist, which transforms the blood into Icker. So that indicates to me that this mist is some form of witch blood that's flying through the air, which is <laughs> tight as hell. Um, and another cool fact I found is that if you soaked a kyber crystal in ichor, it perverted its connection to the force and creates a tainted night sister crystal. These crystals can be used in a lightsaber like weapon emitting a green smoke when active. So many questions. There's so, so much metal. metal in this. Like <laughs> I, I, I want to paint this on the side of a van. I know this is so sick. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was very visually cool. Um, and just the idea of like, it's time to pay our debts. Like I found that very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's always a cost to every, yeah. every power that you have. There's a cost. There's always, totally. there's always something that is owed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially around blood magic, which yeah. is traditionally in like science fiction and fantasy. You know, there's a cost associated when using that dark blood magic. And that's my favorite. Like I, I get a bit, you know, as a, we're all lover of fantasy i'm sure Mm -hmm. here and one of the things i i'm never a big fan of in fantasy books is when ever a power or magic doesn't have a a price or a toll even harry potter i love that casting a patronus kind of wipes him out and he has to sit down and eat some chocolate like even (laughs) if it's as small as that i like that there is a toll or price to pay because if something is limitless it just feels cheapened to me but if there's something you really have to conserve and be thoughtful and pay a price for, I don't know. It just I like that. I like, I like that. the thought that in Harry in Harry Potter, it's like different levels of like physical malady. So like you cast a Patronus and it wipes your energy out, and you need to get your blood sugar up. But if you do expel your almas, like it just makes you a little gassy. You yeah. take like a gas <laughs> axe. <laughs> Nailed it. Exactly. Nailed it. Um. But yeah, so I, I had a question about this, which I thought was interesting because I thought this set piece of um, Kanan and Sabine coming is really cool, especially creepy Sabine, like crawling all over the place. And when Ezra's oh, yeah. force pushing her out of the cage and she's scratching at the floor, like, oh my gosh. That was they got to do a lot with those models that they never, yeah. the animators never thought they'd get to do. I think that was so sick. Yeah, it was. This was literally playing with your toys. Totally, and Kanan like on the altar, surrounded by the acre. Like it was just cool visually. Yeah, and him kneeling on the yep. on there, and that almost foreshadows what we get in in season four, where he's meditating before yeah. a big conflict at the end. Totally. 
Um, it was a very Canaan stance, which is uh, mm-hmm. what's creepy about it, right? Is that yeah. when he opens his eyes, he's got this uh, like Icor Icor uh, eyes yeah. that are kind of, and they they did so many cool things with the mist itself. Um, and the this concept of the mist is brought up in Legends of Luke Skywalker as well. Oh. Um, as something that can be woven into physical things, so um, as a as an alternative to viewing the force, yeah, that's they call it the mist. Yeah, yeah. My question is because Maul knows that this price must be paid, and we saw with Kanan, he had the foresight to know that Maul was up to something when these visions were happening, and he put the tracker in preemptively, and kind of was able to force it shadow Maul's plan. Do you think that he, Kanan and Sabine showing up were a happy coincidence for him? Or is it like, okay, cool, these people can pay the price now? Or was that his plan all along? Was Maul also using foresight to be like, all right, I'll let them trace track me. And I know this uh... is happening so that they can, because we know Ezra's friends will run in and they can pay the price and me and my apprentice can be alone. Mm-hmm. I Good, I don't know. Good, good yeah, I don't know. Either. I don't know. I'll leave it. It's just kind of interesting, especially like we see, you know, when we first see Maul in the season, he wants to get rid of the ghost crew so that him and Ezra can be alone. She pushes Kanan out of an airlock. Mm. Um, so I just think that's something kind of interesting. Can we talk about the potion? Oh, yeah, we can. How it's just basically mushroom tea. They're just no. freaking out. They're all stones. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so he's got the, the, the potion cup in the middle. Yeah. Right in the two goblets, which is this is this is so medieval, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like like mm-hmm. like are we are we in Macbeth suddenly? Like what's going on here? But he See, pours I was getting, I was the first Princess one. Bride vibes. Oh yeah, it's oh, got that totally. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually uh, there's a there's a myth that I've been playing around with a lot uh, with how it um really could very much uh talk to what is happening in the sequel trilogy called Tristan and Isolde, and in that. In that myth itself, it has this potion um, by which um, Tristan and Isolt basically drink it and fall in love. And I'm not saying that Maul and Ezra are in love, but a bond. <laughs> I think they're in love. Is formed. Well, brotherly love at least, <laughs> right? But what is really neat about the potion is when they pour the, he pours the first vial, it's white. Mm. And then when he pours the second vial, it's black. And it mixes together in the middle. And then they both drink it. Mm, like kind of really interesting and and the the potion to me as the parallel to the last jedi is the bridge of snoke saying i bridged your minds oh yeah you know like it's it, it is symbolically the same thing it is the the mm. it is the fate or the force or it is the thing that is interrupting whatever the plan of the story is from you know the meta perspective that turns the other way it's the turn right mm, so yeah. it is the thing that got in the way for for our heroes or for our protagonists in the moment that caused their paths to now be intertwined mm, i like that a lot interesting I, yeah my mind is on tristan and he's old now i'm thinking about <laughs> i i because that's interesting i'm like trying to i need to read more books it's an old one it's an old one but a good one <laughs> Because so much of what that potion did for them was, if I'm remembering, free them from kind of societal responsibility. Or yes, like, yes, um, yes, r- yes. Right, it, and that's yes. so much what that's about. And it's like um, saying, uh, "Screw the patriarchy, love matters." Yeah, mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's. I'm wondering is there is there implications on that of that on yes. Maul and Ezra, and is that to the Force? Like, is that their responsibility or responsibility to their their orders? Did I don't know to. I don't. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and then that gets us to the vision. Um, so it comes across again. It ends where it began. We have mentioned that before. And um, Ezra says he's alive. I can't believe he's alive. So we get confirmation of this. No more speculation. They are have both seen Kenobi in this vision, and Kenobi is at once both what Maul is seeking for the source of his revenge and what Ezra is seeking as the path to destroy the Sith, which I think is an interesting touch. Um, I think it's something really, now that we're getting into the Kenobi, something I want to touch mm -hmm. on is um, up front where they're still at the Bendu and Maul has that whole like, oh, you can't kill me because if you kill me, then this thing this dead man switch, right. says, yeah, exposes chopper base. And part of me was wondering if that was kind of like a, uh, uh, like if, if you strike me down, I'll only become stronger. Like reference. a dark side version of it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it, it, it felt like that. Right. And I was just like, Oh, that's, that's funny. But also yeah. another but like trickery and treachery, which is really yeah. dark side to me. But at the same time is also such a cheap, plot it's a, such a cheap plot plugin there's a couple like really sloppy plot points in that like two minutes where like especially when canon goes eh, i guess we just have to see it through and see what happens i'm like that's a bad rationale what like, like shrug i guess we'll yeah. go along with the evil crazy man's plan yeah i'm like that's lazy yeah but he had a plan so maybe he was going along with it because he saw the end game maybe yeah maybe who knows hmm uh, I thought there was kind of a fun legends touch. Um, so credit to one three three seven creamsicle on Reddit, Leet Creamsicle, um, which is a throwback. I haven't seen that in a long time since high school on the internet, Leet. Um, but he said there's a comic that wasn't considered canon even before the legend split called Old Wounds, where Maul tracks Kenobi to Tatooine and makes his way to the Lars homestead. A fight ensues, but Obi Wan is unable to strike the killing blow. And instead, Owen kills Maul. Yeah, that's in uh, Star Wars Visionaries. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. I love that. And so the reason I love why that. I thought Owen I Owen kills Maul—that's so. It's like your dad kills Maul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Katie will fight you on that if you love that. She will just like <laughs> fight you as the biggest Maul stand yeah. I've ever met. Totally. Um, yeah, no, I think that the end is actually much more satisfying. You guys are going to get to that episode eventually, oh, yeah. though. We're, yeah. we're going to do a big blowout for that episode, so stay tuned for that one. Um, but the reason why I thought this was some cool legend stuff, and I wonder if they pulled it, is that after he, in that comic, it's the first appearance of Cybermall. Um, so he had like robot goat legs, and like oh, yeah. part of his head was like robot horns and stuff like that. So I wonder if that inspired some of his Clone Wars appearance. Oh, I'm um, sure it did. You know, coming back with the creepy spider legs. And then also just thematically, I think that blends some cool color to like why Lars d distrusts um, Obi-Wan so much, even though he's just trying to protect them and the, and baby Luke. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, well, you're trying to protect us, but you brought this scary dark side guy to my front door. So screw you, go away. I never want to see you again. 
There are some amazing. I agree. Sorry, I'm jumping in. There are some amazing. Uh, maybe just one comic. It's like Star yeah. Wars. I think I can actually hit the number because I love it this much. I think it's Star Wars issue 15 is uh, Kenobi's. It starts this really cool arc about Kenobi's journal. Oh, and yeah. uh, it's like on Tatooine, how he's protecting Luke and watching over him as like a young kid. It's pretty cool. He's so lonely and uh, he it's like an existential crisis he's going through <laughs> in that arc. It's it's really cool. Yeah. I just looked it up. It was Star Wars 15 with a very weird looking Kenobi on the cover. No, that cover is the best. Him with the backpack. That's my actually my favorite cover. It's so funny. I love I it. I just feel like it looks he like he's going so to school. Weird. It's first day of school Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Visionaries, though, the old wounds that you you, mm-hmm. you mentioned in general is like a really mind blowing comic. Like yeah. all of the different yeah, it stories. sounds crazy. I've never read it. Uh, yeah. I, I think that you should really everybody should read the fourth precept which is uh you can't even read it it's all just images but it's it every time i look at it i'm like all right so we're going full of zen buddhism all right cool <laughs> sweet i just looked it up i'm definitely gonna look into that that sounds cool yeah I'm, I'm gonna read it just for the oh one killing them all thing that sounds amazing yeah. um so my last the only other note i have is that i this is more meta commentary but it's really funny to see all the speculation. I, I might have brought this up before, but I, I like going through old threads and stuff like that to see what the reaction to the episodes were at the time. And like everyone's just like very authoritatively like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Obi-Wan is going to join the ghost crew and then Maul is going to take power back on Mandalore. And they're going to unite the clans and Sabine and Obi-Wan are going to fight on Mandalore. It's a, they're just it's so obvious. They're just like playing the ground and it's just like no one knows what they're talking about. Um and so I just think that's kind of funny to see all these theories and then maybe also a learning lesson about trying to keep speculation fun instead of, uh, yeah. you know, pretending to be some big bad expert. Um, speculation is a, as a young man's game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love it, but it's, you know, it's, I like the, I just don't like we used it. to do is when we're we I think I get coffee, used to. like, Oh my God, what if blah, blah, blah. And this, what if this person met up with this person? Like, it's it's fun to talk about like the what ifs. No, you're it's you're, not fun to be like, this is what's gonna happen. Well, yeah, I think they're just bad at phrasing it. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to protect them, but yeah, I just uh, but I mostly I, just thought it was funny. Yeah, that is. Yeah, did anyone else have any other thoughts or notes about this episode? I mean, we didn't touch uh, anything about the dark saber. Just saying. Yeah, we should. Oh, yeah, talk I about the dark saber a little yeah. bit. That was in my notes earlier and I just jumped over it by accident. It's um, pretty big. It feels again pretty shoehorned, but like yeah. I it's so such a cool and important element that it's I maybe I like how subtle it is. Part yeah. of me does. Like well, it's, I want to push but, back a little bit because the just the term shoehorn makes it feel like it's like almost unnecessary. And I don't know, I don't think that's what you were mes- necessarily saying, but I think it was inter- it is actually a good way to transition this because I think they would they knew they wanted to get into the plot of Mandalore stuff and Maul's such a natural connection to that. Well, um, and so um Pablo said something kind of interesting um we, in Rebels Recon. Can we talk about how many lightsabers Maul has at this moment cuz I asked Katie. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the number? Did you get an answer? It, she said she thinks he has 4. And Order. um 
But like he has the dark saber, right? And she's like, yeah. why isn't he using the dark saber? <laughs> right? Like why why is he using his like inquisitor lightsaber that's all broken? And yeah. when does he get yeah. that? And he has at least during the end of the Clone Wars, now we know because of the previews, he has a different lightsaber than the one that he had previously. So it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot going on with Maul's lightsabers. And I totally. think I have a theory. All right. Lay it on us. All right. Lightsabers take batteries and he doesn't know how to charge them. <laughs> <laughs> so he uses them disposably. Oh my uh, gosh. I, I love that. that because that also <laughs> makes Maul seem like he's just not green. And I'm really into that. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like an out of touch old grandpa. <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't know what to do. So it's like, uh, yeah. and apparently they can plug into any power sockets, but do you see any power sockets on Dathomir? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I also just like the idea that like, they're just like, all right, got to charge my lightsaber. And it's like a little, two little prongs come out the bottom. And they just stick it in the wall. It's like, all right, don't touch it. It's charging. Or like they, they really need to have a fight. And so there's an extension cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's like when I'm trying to use my phone and read while it's plugged in, he's got like a USB cord that's like four feet. And he's like, all right, come over here. Cause I can't fight you over there. Um, but yeah, Pablo Hidalgo said in Rebels Recon, the dark saber is the line that connects Jedi history and Mandalorian history. Um, we learned last episode about the conflict between the Jedi and Mandalorians in Old Republic times, which I think will be interesting. We'll learn more about Mandalorian society coming up soon. But he also mentions that, you know, they, he's being subtle about it because these episodes haven't come out. But I think what he's implying is that he, you know, there's the dark saber is such a powerful thing to the people of Mandalore, you know, pre was able to have a lot of power and unite all the clans. Yeah. It's so symbolic. And so I think it means a lot for Sabine to be able to return to her people with this thing that will help her unite her people, um, which I think is something that they're, they really wanted to get to. And so this is kind of a natural way to do that handoff instead of, you know, trying to like go back to Mandalore to get this one MacGuffin for an entire episode. It's just like, Hey, what's this? Doing so here? many, so many MacGuffins in this episode. So <laughs> many MacGuffins is what I'm going to, I mean, almost everything is about creating the different, this episode is almost like hit. You've hit the interstate and there's five different exits you can take. Like there's so much set up right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and so, so yeah, some of the speculation about that was really fun to look back on as well about what's going to happen with Mandalore, how they're going to play into the rebellion and what Sabine's going to do with the dark saber. So we will get to that. And I'm very excited about that. Do you guys think that eventually we'll get the Jedi Mandalorian war? I think so. I mean, I don't think this is a, I think we talked about, that's what we talked about in the last episode is that it has been canonized, um, in, subtle ways so that is part of the actual history now it's like they're slowly bringing kotor back yeah totally <laughs> i think a lot of people are saying that benioff and weiss are going to be doing the old republic because of their ties for um game of thrones and they're probably right about that i would personally like to see ryan johnson's trilogy tackle some yeah. of that stuff because i think the mythos that he can bring to that story would be so interesting and cool um but i i could definitely see them going back to old Republic times and that be one of the main conflicts of that trilogy. There definitely is some stuff that, um, and maybe this isn't the right place to talk about this, but I, I really love the idea of 
Jedi Knight's actually wearing armor. I don't I don't know. That would be cool. So this is absolutely the right place for this. Okay, like and having like Kylo Ren's like like saber like real oh, and like all different types of weaponry. Like I really mm-hmm. like that idea. And like I've been speaking with a lot of authors about okay, you know, how did the order develop kind of these very weird and rigid rules? And it's almost that you know, suggestions became dogma. Yeah. So like, what is the, what is the old Republic actually like mm-hmm. where maybe the suggestions are not dogma and they had more variety of, you know, orders or different types of people within the order that did different things that, you know, maybe they didn't have an attachment rule. Yeah. Back then, yeah. You know? Yeah. I like that. And I'm circling back to, to my, my earlier rant, but I think that is, where my problem with the force in the dark side lies is it, they all just feel like gross misuse. It's like how I, you know, I'm not a religious person, but it seems like what Christianity and Catholicism has gone to. It's like one time a white guy said this and it became a thing that, <laughs> that everyone like lives by. And they're like, well, it, you know, it, it just feel like locked in, but kind of so far from the intent. There's so much to dig into. Yeah. And it's like one of the reasons I was so excited for the last. Yeah. And I was so excited for The Last Jedi because I thought that's what it was. So much of like, you know, the the previews and trailers. I thought Luke was going to upend the order in a very like, you know, we're doing this so wrong. It's for everybody, not just like the select few. And I was so bummed when the books got saved. I was like, oh, man, it's happening. They're like burning the tree and all the the sacred text. But then, then they got saved. I think it's yeah. important though like from a from a philosophical perspective to know what has been done before so that you can actually see the world mm-hmm. differently from from what has happened and if you don't listen to the to the mistakes of the past you can't actually look to the future and say well what what should we be yeah absolutely i think that both things could be true i think we're very much the balance between me and mike yeah I'm, yeah that's <laughs> what i try to do you are mortis <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm the father. We should make this picture of us three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. But uh, yeah, I think it's nice because you know uh, Yoda. He very clearly is like these books. No, nah, they're snoozers. Doesn't like that's not what the force is about. And he burns it, and they did get saved. But I think that's maybe more of a function of like. I guess what I'll say is I'm really interested to see what Ray does in the next movie with that book. I would be very surprised if she uses that book to be like, all right, these are the rules of the Jedi Order. Let's just set that back up. Yeah. I would be surprised if we ever saw them again, honestly. I we saw them in the yeah. comics. Yeah. When yeah. In the Poe Dameron comic, we saw yeah. her translating them with C-3PO. Oh, that's cool. I haven't, I haven't gotten that far. I don't know that it's going to be, I really hope like to your point, Mike, that like she, she chooses her own way forward. Yeah. 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 I think that's gotta be the case, but we will see in just a couple months or a couple weeks. Yeah. At this point. Oh my gosh. I'm really saying we better, we better get these episodes out because we are making predictions about times, but yeah, anyways, that is, did you have anything else you want to jump on about this episode? Any other last thoughts? I like it. Cool.
So how we like to end each episode is we do a very fun, kind of silly grading scale where we take our favorite thing in Star Wars currently and our least favorite thing. Reminder that there is no bad Star Wars, just some things that are worse than other things, but it's all good Star Wars. And we compare this episode to something in between that best and worst thing. Mike, that was very complicated. Could you please give an example of what this actually looks like? Surely. So my current least favorite thing in Star Wars is just the entirety of the 1997 (laughs) re-releases. My current most favorite thing in Star Wars is, and I'll even go as far as saying this is my, not just current, this is my most favorite thing in Star Wars, is the final battle between Obi-Wan and Maul. Mm. which we are inching closing to closer to every episode. I would give this episode a Luke goes into the uh, cave on empire and caves have been upended for me um, <laughs> in a, in a good way. Um, because this episode very much feels like uh, elementally that kind of these moments of, of magic and force mysticism. And, um, I really like it. And just the whole, even just tonally, it feels like that very ominous. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of that in empire. Um, and so that translates to, it's an a, it's an a plus for me, this episode. And so is that moment in empire. Cause I really love that. And I wish there was more of that. Um, those kind of force elements. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really fun. Peter, what's your scale? So my favorite thing right now in Star Wars is Rey pulling the lightsaber out of the snow, whizzing past Kylo Ren's face. The least favorite thing in Star Wars right now is everything C-3PO does at any time other than in the original trilogy. (laughs) Um, This episode between those two things is Maul's poo face he makes after he gets sliced in the belly in Phantom Menace, which is like a really great moment, just like chef's kiss right there. So that is an A plus for me. Um, I wasn't bugged by some of the thematic stuff you were talking about, but like I said, childlike brain over here. I really loved this one. Marie Claire, would you like to tell us? Oh what my goodness. Your... I love so much stuff about star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I think that my current favorite thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that uh, John Williams music represents the emotions that the characters are feeling at any given moment and so Mm. if you listen to the music you can feel what they are feeling that's my favorite thing um my least favorite thing is actually my least favorite thing and i don't think that this will ever change it is the thing that i think that star wars has (laughs) screwed up the most which is dark visions number three it should not exist look that up the uh, comic yes the one about the girl who loves uh vader yes oh i think it is incredibly toxic i yeah I thought it was so bad. I've never showed my wife a comic I was reading before, but I had to stop and be like, you have to see how ridiculous this is. Yeah, that was rough. That was so yeah, weird. It is, feels this is so the out thing of place. I hate the most in Star Wars. And and I don't hate anything in Star Wars. Like I, I actually hate this comic. I think that like it, it's insulting to women and it's in it's insulting to other creators who actually do like genuine good work and it was all like yeah. a mess up with chuck Wendig being fired and stuff like that so it's got yeah. bad juju on it and we can just burn it in a fire that was that was I don't a weird that one a lot. i remember that being yeah. like i was like dark vision somewhere three where do i remember that where do i remember that and yeah you you nailed it with especially in light of the chuck Wendig firing 
Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it has all Chad. the bad, like, poor blood Chad. magic. Somebody sacrificed a cow or something. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's everything bad that has ever existed. And I put it all, anything bad about Star Wars is that. Um, yeah. You know what? You just inspired me, by the way, because I gave up my Marvel Unlimited subscription after that. And I almost <gasps> signed up for it again yesterday, but you have reinvigorated, reinvigorated your hate my of resistance. That, so that I'm not going to sign up. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> anyway, what, 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 what's your episode between this? You know, where does this episode sit in my mm -hmm. brain for what I love? Yep. And I and I absolutely love the book, The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And that is an A plus for me. And it's it's probably just like a titch down. Like they 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 deducted a few marks for having some some weird structural things but it it in the way that the legends of luke skywalker foreshadows the last jedi this also foreshadows the last jedi and <laughs> potentially more which is amazing all right i did you i'm sure you did did you do an episode on the legends of luke skywalker I interviewed Ken too. That's, oh, Ken that's great. Okay. He's I'm going to go back and I'm going to check that out because I've, I've, I've been on the record about not being able to vibe with that book, but I'd love to be talked into it. So I'll go back and I'll check that out. That is it for this episode right now. Um, Marie Claire, would you like to promote anything? Where can people find you on the internet and what would you like people to check out? Uh, I have a podcast, obviously, about Star Wars <laughs> called yep. What the Force. We do um, meta-analysis as well as just kind of deep dive discussions into different things about the fans, the Force, and uh, kind of anything in Star Wars thematic, conceptual. It's it's pretty deep, I find. So check it out if you're <laughs> yep. interested. I'm also uh, an RPGer on the actual play podcast, Tavern Tales. So check that out too if you like D&D, like these guys. And I am at WT4Show on Twitter if you want to Perfect. Sweet. Mike, would you like to tell people where they can find us? Mm, sure. <laughs> you could find us at Rebels Rebels Pod just on things. <laughs> just search for a, go to a thing and look for Rebels Rebels Pod. Actually, that's not as easy as you would think. I've actually had a lot of people say that they've tried searching for Rebels, Rebels Pod on like Google and it, we are just buried so far <laughs> below. That's where we like to be. Probably because of our magnetic and charismatic promotion of our podcast. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> promotions are for the birds. Yep, that's the saying. <laughs> um, sorry, just edit all this out. This is terrible. No, I like uh, it. Rebels, Rebels Pod at gmail on <laughs> that's the only place we're on email um we have a twitter and instagram and that's about yep. it rebels rebels pod yep and check out our DM. wow we episodes. are terrible at promoting ourselves <laughs> so wow, bad. i'm so i'm so sorry it's okay check out our um D, D episodes those are still being cranked out and we are having so much fun with that and yeah, we're we're probably gonna take a little bit of a break because this is the natural mid-season break of the season. So we might take a couple weeks to reconvene and make sure we are closing out the season strong. So thank you so much for being here with us. And you can reach us online anytime you need to. That being said, let's sign out, Mike. Yeah, remember to be brave out there and don't look back. 
Don't look back. I looked back. Oh, no. Bye. Bye. And then I also like when Maul shows up, he just like nopes the hell out of there. He's just like, all right, bye. See ya. Jesus Christ. I've been on mute for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, all right. Sorry. We're a professional <laughs> podcast here. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys.